You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're going to be talking about demos and Brian Burns and I are going to break down the five things that make a great demo uh, to help salespeople hopefully understand when they should be using demos, what it takes to make them successful, uh, and when not to rely on them too much. Demos are great tools in the sales process if used effectively, if prepared for properly, if they're executed flawlessly, uh, they can do a great deal to drive a sales deal forward. However, the vast majority of sales reps today have a tendency to think that a demo is more significant in the sales process than perhaps it actually is. So what Brian and I wanted to do was spend some time talking about our experience with demos, talking about what makes them work, why you should use them, when you should use them, and some things to avoid. So without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Brian Burns. It's time to talk about demos. I mean, demos are a critical part of every sales process, and I'm sure you've sat through a handful of them in your career. (laughs) More than my fair share. (laughs) And I bet you've seen some good ones and quite a few bad ones. Let's, Let's contrast that maybe. You know, like what's your number one thing? For making a demo great, I, you know it's interesting. So you always got to be prepared. First off, and this, you got to be prepared for it to go poorly, right? Every demo always has the chance of going sideways because it's technology. So one of the things to make sure it's that I've seen people do to make sure it's great is, yeah, you've got your demo down. You know what features you want to highlight that will solve their business problems that'll go back to making sure they're addressing their business objectives. You've got all that down. You've practiced it. You've done the run through, but you're prepared in case the tech doesn't work and you're not sitting there wasting somebody's time fumbling uh, to try and figure out how to show them something that just, you know, crap the bed. So that preparation part of it for me and that ability to understand, you know, either eventuality and be prepared for it, that to me is where I've seen most, you know, sales reps and AEs or demo people uh, really shine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been the guy giving the demo, but, you know, that's kind of how I got my start in the career. I was the, kind of the engineer that they pulled out of the cubicle to, <laughs> you know, to give the presentation in the demo yeah. and asked to, you know, cut your ponytail, will you? <laughs> well, and, it's, it's amazing, though, right? That's, that's an awesome way to get started because, because you, know, you know going into it that technology can be a little bit skittish. I mean, especially today when things have to be connected or not yeah. connected, they've got to work in both modes. You never know what kind of presentation device you're going to be on inside of a customer setting. Some of them are, you know, have the latest and greatest nice flat screens with the HDMI plug-in and, and you're ready to rock and roll. Others, you know, you're still looking for a DVI connector to a projector that probably hasn't been dusted in 10 years, right? <laughs> so all of that has to be taken into account because if you get to a point where you have people in a room uh, that need to know that this product is really what they're looking for, you need to make it shine. And in order to do that, you got to be prepared for any eventuality. Yeah. And there was a, a lot of research done on like the best times to do this. And, you know, I don't know what your experience has been, but I've never done one on Monday or Friday. And I, I try and do it like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at either 10 in the morning, whatever local time that is for them, not me. 
or two in the afternoon. Oh, what's the thought process behind that? I had I hadn't heard that research. What where's that where's that tell me more about that? I'm curious now. Yeah, I'm Gong did a blog post about it because what they have and, and theirs is mostly remote stuff, right. meaning that um uh, you know, you, where you go through Zoom or some kind of screen sharing app, yep. they record it, analyze it, and then map it in Salesforce or whatever CRM to what deals close and how long they take to close. So uh, they can correlate the effectiveness and the correlation of different things that happen during the call. And, you know, certainly for me, you know, anything before 10 People are rambling and rushing around within their office trying to get <laughs> right. You know, they got to get yeah. coffee, toast their bagel, you know, catch up on the game or you know the the, the TV last night. Especially like <laughs> Monday morning, forget it. Right. You know, everyone's got meetings. They're talking about curb your enthusiasm. It's like this. The focus is not on work, and and that ten a.m. meeting is always a good twenty to fifty percent better than the two p.m. meeting. Oh, you know, two p.m. Nice. you got to let people get back after lunch. You know, catch up on their their stuff, get reacquainted with their jobs, and then you can <laughs> you can get down and, and do some work. Um, but after like three. You know, and certainly nothing near four. A lot of people like, oh, we'll get you right at the end of the day. And it's yeah, like, no. ah. yeah, people are burnt. They're <laughs> looking at their watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, they get a kid's soccer game or something to go to. And, and you know, and Fridays, forget about it. And, you know, you and I right. were chatting about travel. And one of my rules was never travel on Monday or Friday because it's like amateur hour. <laughs> yeah. you know, Fridays, you got, you know, the, the grandmas going to see the grandkids and the security lines are always slow. People are like, what? We have to get x-rayed? All this stuff that they have no idea. <laughs> they got their coffee in one hand and their phone in the other. And you're like, oh. And and Mondays, you know, forget about it because everybody's, you know, think that they're trying to get the consultants are all trying to get on location, uh, you know, first thing in the morning. So they had some kind of weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I love when I've been unfortunate enough to have to do something with a client where I can't get out on a Friday night and traveling Saturday morning from someplace. I, yeah. It's like a totally different world. Isn't it? it I, oh, wait. I'm not supposed to be in TSA pre... Oh, wait, I don't have to take my shoes off. Well, no. My shoes might set it off. Now I want to talk to the TSA agent, and I'm sitting there going, okay, deep breaths. Deep <laughs> breaths. Like, this is... <laughs> this should be seamless, people. Like, the signs. Read the signs. Observation. Yeah. Travel, I could go on. Uh, obviously, after this week, I could go on with forever. That that data, though, that came from Gong, you said? Go, yeah, Gong.io. I love... Those guys put out some amazing data. The tool is awesome as hell. I've had conversations with their CEO before, but the data they put out, the blog, the content, absolutely amazing. I love that. Yeah, stuff. and it kind of inspired this episode because, you know, I don't talk enough about demos and it's demos are something you have to talk with interactively with someone else, you know, because I've been through them so many times that, you know, I think the number one thing for me is to find something to engage them with. You know, what is the thing that they, that's going to change their life? You know, if you think of like a test drive, there's some one thing about a car that everybody wants. You know, it might be <laughs> might be the seat, it might be the power, it might be the look, it might be, you know, T tops or sunroof or convertible. 
I don't know. What's it for you? I mean, it, well, I think that I think you're onto something right there, right? You have to be able to in a demo remember first and foremost that that people make emotional buying decisions, right? And so if it you is. can tap into it, like if you're going to show me file open, file close, file save, or hey, I'm <laughs> stop, just stop because I don't give, I don't care. So you have to have done your homework and have to have talked to and understand your audience first and foremost. And if you can show a demo in a way that that brings to light how it's going to help them, how it's going to provide them value, solve a business problem, ge generate ROI for them, and you can start to show it in a way uh, and deliver it in a passionate way. None of this monotone, hey, do this. Like, uh, no, no, no. They've got to be an event. You almost want the demo to be an event so you can tap into those emotions. Because they're not going to buy it just because it has this long list of features. They're going to buy it because you helped them connect to it. Yeah, and it's something that you really can't delegate because a, a lot of times I've worked at companies where the person given the demo was in what they called a pool. Like, <laughs> you know, and and you may have only worked with this person like one time before and they, they don't really report to you and – and you and you you don't have enough time before because I'd always try and sit down with them, have a cup of coffee, and say, "Okay, here's how I like to roll with the demo." And they go, "No, no, no, I, I got my way of doing it." I go, "I understand, but you know, let me explain what they're looking for, what they care about." And I go, "Let's have a signal, okay? When I start talking, you stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay? When the customer starts talking, we both stop talking. <laughs> okay." I love it. And, and and he got offended and he went and talked to his manager and his manager agreed with me. And he goes, that's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right? Let's not it's make like, it complex, right? You're, yeah. you're there to listen to the customer. So stop. And And it's always, I mean, there's two ways to look at it, right? Depending on how complex the product or the solution is. Um, there are some where I've been able to do the demos, but I've also sold things like we, back in the day, we sold math libraries for 3D geometric modeling engines. We didn't even have a UX. It was all code and algorithms. And I, I'm the last dude that needed to be doing the demo. But if you have somebody, you know, that AE, that, that, product expert that can really roll through it. You have to dry run it. You have to go through it and practice it. You have to know the signs, the cues. Those are the most simple cues I've heard. Usually it's like, you know, I always got probably two creatives. Like, all right, if I tap my pen twice, just shut up because it's, it's time to let the customer talk. Right. But if you don't practice it and go through it, especially if there's two people involved, you run the risk of, of coming off flat. And then if it's a product that you're trying to tell them is simple and easy to use, that you know, one of the things I like to say is, look, I'm a I'm a sales guy, and even I can do this, right? That's so. There's a credibility portion if the product is something that you are comfortable enough with as well. Either way, you still got to make sure that it, you know you come off flawless, passionate, and get out of the fact that you've probably given this demo a hundred times, and you don't want to get into that monotone. If you can do that and stay passionate about it, those are the ones that I've seen go go the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recently posted um, a video clip from Mad Men where they're uh, pitching uh, Kodak about. <laughs> I remember the, that clip. Do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, because it was so convincing because, you know, they the customer was telling them, I know this is hard. It's just a wheel. And uh, for the audience, it, it's the carousel where you put in those little um, slides. Uh, slides. Little slides. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe your parents had them. I, I, I certainly remember them. And the slide would drop in in front of the light and would project the image onto a screen. And, and that's how people had like home 
not movies, but, you know, uh, pictures yep. and people after a vacation would get the pictures back and have the friends over and show it. And, um, Don Draper, who was pitching the idea, explained that, you know, what, what was, um, what was the emotion? He talked he about was, it like a carousel. Yeah. Right? Like a child, a child time. And, the, and the timelessness and the wonder, the time travel and <laughs> nostalgia. And it was like, and all of a sudden it was his life. It was him with his kids. And he went back to when the, his wife was pregnant. He went back to his wedding day, back to when he met her. And one of the people who worked for him started crying and had to leave the room. Right. <laughs> I have never done a demo that where I've inspired somebody so much that they've actually cried. That would be great. But I mean, that's a perfect I've cried example. given one. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've cried after. I've cried after. I've done my fair share of crying after for sure. That's it. And I remember probably the, the most dramatic product I sold was, you know, we had this magical capability called incremental compilation where we could basically cut the time it took to build a program uh, from hours to seconds. And the first time you showed somebody to it, they go, wait a minute, you didn't do anything. I go, no, it's done. <laughs> and I go, let me show you, I'll run it. Okay, now we'll change it. You, what variable do you want me to put in? I'll put in a setting and that way, you know, I did it. And, and people would be like awestruck. Right. And all, all of a sudden you, you, they now saw that they could take their work day and cut it into like one eighth or one tenth. And, and then they said, well, Jesus, now we can have vacations and go home on the weekends. <laughs> I can actually use all that vacation time I have. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they were able to articulate that to their manager. So, there, I mean, with every product, there is some magic thing. And I think people get too lost trying to train the customer during the demo as a, like a training class. Here's how you use it. Well, and that's a really good point, right? You, the demo is not meant to train them on the product. It is meant to connect to them, right? To inspire them, especially if you're talking to, I mean, I, I don't know about you. For me, a lot of the demos we did were never with the ultimate buyer. They might right. be there for like two seconds and go, oh, you're going to do a demo? All right, I have other things to do. <laughs> so so what, what we always try to do was, you know, that person that you're demoing, that person that now has the technical validation or whatever they're being called, whatever their role is in the buying process, always wanted them to walk out of there with some type of personal connection to it because then their passion came through when they were talking to the buyer or their boss or whatever. And that's it. And what you want to do is try and elicit from their questions how well they're getting it, you know, because typically there's somebody in that demo that has that problem that you solve and you've got to connect with them. And when they come back to you and go, well, well wait a minute, let me see how that works again. And does it connect up with this? And does it do that? Then you've got you've got the mojo. Right. You know, and, you know, I think the best test drive I've ever been on when I was, I bought the Z and I'm sure the listeners are sick of hearing about this car, but (laughs) (laughs) of course I bought it in July, you know, where the streets were nice and dry and there wasn't a, you know, rain or snow or anything, uh, because it was horrendous with either rain or snow. The test drive, the guy took it out. He said, let me drive. I'll take you back into some back roads into Virginia and these windy little roads that were barely you know, wide enough for two cars. And he, and he skated this car and this long, and it, I was just like mesmerized as the passenger. And then he, then he pulled it over. He goes, okay, your turn. And then, yeah, of course I went like one tenth the speed he right. did, but, but the feeling, because he goes, you see how that feels? It's like, okay, instead of braking in that curve, accelerate into it. And then he took the T, T 
T-top, the roof off and put it in the trunk. Oh, yeah. And he and, and goes, what kind of music do you like? He put on the music and all of a sudden the connection, that transfer of ownership took place. Yep. Without a doubt. I had, and it's funny because I had – so when, Cam, when Camaro just redid the body styles, what was that, four, five, six years ago, I got one of the new Camaros. And same situation. It, it, was a total, it was a total emotional buy. I knew what I was doing. I walked into the dealership <laughs> because, because my wife at the time's Jeep needed service. So I was going down to pick her up or something. I walked in, and they had this orange – Camaro SS eight cylinder in there that they had put a Hennessy conversion kit on 675 horsepower. And I was like, I would like to take this for a test drive. You know, they had to open up the big doors and get it out of the showroom (laughs) and we're out there. And it took all of, I don't know, two seconds. Once I sat in the car for me to go, yeah, I'm taking this home now, much like you, it was a summer. You want to talk about not that thing. If it, if it missed it, if it dude, it could not go outside. It was all, muscle, no brains, but it was that emotional connection, right? And it was him being able to tell me about the Hennessy conversion kit and connecting it to the things that I cared about that made that such a powerful experience. That happens in B2B all the time. That's really what we're after. That's it. And and if you can figure that one thing out and demonstrate it to the, the client and have them get it, and don't worry about the rest because doing two demos is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Doing a customized demo is a good thing, not a bad thing. Because I think too many reps and where most deals get stuck is you have that great demo and it goes a little bit longer, which is one of the things Gong noticed is the best demos went a little bit longer. But the problem then is you run out of time and you don't get that critical next step scheduled. And, and all of a sudden, momentum is lost. Right, right. When in the so, just out of curiosity, when in the sales process? Because I just was actually discussing this with a client earlier this week. When in the sales process do you recommend people start to look at doing the demos? Are there certain things you want to see or recommend that people look for or have from the client before they're willing to invest the time and resources to do a demo? Well, I think today people are trying to rush it. I think people are assuming just because they will take a meeting that they want to <laughs> see a demo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, and unless you're the end user of the product, you're the direct user, the way you're, the demo makes perfect sense to you, th- th- then it might make sense. And But I think, you know, th- th- today, because the person who's given the demo <clears throat> isn't getting the meeting. It's usually somebody else kind of gets the meeting and then you kind of got to redo the discovery a little bit. Right. I, I think it, you first need to, you know, reestate uh, rapport, uh, kind of do a, where are you in this? Is it a priority? How do you do it today? How would you like to do it? You know, what's the outcome you like to achieve? And, and then if you can keep the demo as a conversational piece, and I've got this uh, one guy that's in our industry, he's got this product. And every time I talk to him, he opens up a window and starts giving me a demo. <laughs> now, now I've used his product for three years now. And, uh, you know, I, I literally have inspired most of the product direction for them. <laughs> Because I'm a super user of it and I love the product and he all insists on giving the demo instead of talking to me. And it is just such a turnoff right. that, and I'm like, buddy, 
I know the the demo is worth. Let's talk about the, the these things that are important. And then he'll say, oh, well, you can do that now. I go, no, you can't. He goes, let me show you. And I go, no, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Stay away from the product. Stay away from the product. Yeah, let's, let's talk like human <laughs> beings. And I think too many reps use it as a crutch, like they use slides as a crutch. And if you can't have that, that solid interactive conversation about the industry, the problems that people face, the customer's role in the company for a good half hour, you're not qualified yet. You got to build up that knowledge base. And because those are the things that are really great salespeople are good at. Uh, the demo is kind of a rookie tool. It's kind of um, a crutch for a lot of people. It, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's a great reason to get together. You know, it's kind of like, hey, let's meet for cocktails. Right. It's it's not the beer. You can have a beer anywhere, right? You want to get together to talk and reconnect. Yeah, and without without that understanding, without that context, if a salesperson doesn't bring that context to it, you're right. They have a tendency to use it as a crutch. I remember the first time uh, I had a, a new AE that was going to go with me to do a demo, and we we had dry run it and dry run it and dry run it. But our practice was only, I think we I think we got it done in 25, 27 minutes every time on average, right? But the meeting was for sixty minutes, and as we're driving up to the customer site. He goes, so I have a question for you. I was like, all right, sure, shoot. He's like, what are we going to talk about for the other 30 minutes? I'm like, uh, what? He's like, no, 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 we're only doing a demo for 27 minutes. He's like, even if I go long, it's 35. He's like, what are we going to do the other 25? I'm like, are you, are you being serious right now? <laughs> we have a whole list of things we want to talk about. And actually, we want to talk first, then do a little demo and talk at the end. And it, all of a sudden, you just saw the, the blood drain from his face. Like, well, wait a minute. You mean we're not going to have the demo to rely on? Like, I'm not going to have, oh, hey, let me show you this cool thing about the product. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about them, what they need, what they think is valuable, and how we connect to that. Yeah, and that's it. And I think if you can really like start by showing how other people do it, like somebody they may know or respect or understand or even compete against, and it's like, okay, here you, today you have three disparate systems. Okay, you'd like to have them all work together. So today, what do you do? You have to manually cobble them together. What if you could do this? This is how, uh, you know, IBM does it. This is how <laughs> Oracle does it. This, and all of a sudden, this is how Microsoft does it. This is what it was like before. This is how we transitioned them. This was the outcome that they got. And you build that into a story and how it affects them. It's great. Um, and, and you raised the, the a real good point on the timing, because typically, even if they have extra time, the room that you're in typically expires right on the top of the hour and you get the people <laughs> standing you know, outside yeah. knocking <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, not only do you have to leave, you have to pack up and leave and you still, you haven't closed the meeting for a next step which is the most valuable action item that can come out of this. Because if, if you don't have it, and I wrote about this in my book because I, I had this VP come with me and we'd be out in the parking lot. He was a fantastic rock star presenter, but he always went long. And, and he was like the Steve Jobs of the company. And then we, we'd be like literally being kicked out of the building. They're trying to go to lunch. You know, we've all gone over by a half an hour. And they're all like, oh, this is fantastic. Let's talk soon. Yeah, send me a proposal. And he's in the in the parking lot telling me how great it went. I go, yeah, but yeah, we don't have a next step. He goes, well, send a proposal. 
And I'm like, to who? About? For what? <laughs> There's so much more we need. We right. didn't it's set like, the next hook. It's like oh, having that first great date. It's like all of a sudden you think you have a relationship. And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe you do, maybe you don't. And it's like that's I, that part. And people just assume because it went so good. And I, I've seen very few you know, demos, probably like 10% go bad, but you know, 80% typically go, you know, B, B plus. Right. But not that 80% don't close. Right. But probably 20% of those close. Why? Because somebody doesn't know what to do next. Well, and and no one teaches reps, that. Yeah. And you see the reps get so excited. I watched, I have watched sales reps. They'll do their practice. They'll do their prep and they get in there and they start to see the reaction from the customer. Maybe they lean forward. Maybe they're some, asking some questions. Maybe they're starting to talk a little bit faster. They're giving you those cues that they're engaged and they're starting to get excited. And then the rep bleeds off of that and gets excited and forgets that what you have to do at the end is get that next step. So they walk out and they go, that was great. And then you wait about three and a half minutes and it dawns on them, crap, I don't have a next step. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. That, that was awesome. It might have been an A-plus performance, but from a sales standpoint, you maybe are at a solid C. If you don't have a next step, and that's what the goal is, right? It's A lot of reps will get so focused on that demo and that one step, they lose that strategic view of the account and the sales process. And I understand why. I mean, it, it's awesome when you have a customer sitting across the table and they're excited and they're talking to you and they're, oh, think of all the things we can do. It, you you want to, you know, it's natural to get caught up in that. It takes a pro to actually remember you need to control that, throttle their emotions, and make sure you're you're ensuring that you have that next step or time to get it. Yeah, because one of my one of customers or one of the jobs I had was a company called Chainlink Technology, and they call it the Chainlink effect. And it was kind of ironic that you would think of it as a chain link, <laughs> where the demos always go great, but nobody ever buys the product. <laughs> I go, that's a sales process mistake. Yeah. And the guy who ran sales used to sell, you know, alarms door to door. And in that case, they either bought or they don't buy, period. Right. You know, it's a lot like when you're on that lot, you either buy that Camaro or that Z or you don't. Right. You know, and that that next step and, and you can't ask them what they want to do now. You can, but they don't know. Right. Because they'll say, oh, send me a proposal, but you're not the person who signs the proposal. So what's the point in sending you a proposal? <laughs> you take me to meet the person who can sign for the proposal or let's get the full sale completed, not just the technical, because this is really the technical sale. Right. You know, you love the Camaro, but let's say you were 16. You can't afford the Camaro. Right. You know, you, you're loaded, <laughs> so you can afford it. You know? Yeah, it was an impulse buy for sure. And you're right, though. I mean, it is a component of a much larger process. And that technical sale, you know, I work with a lot of sales reps where they're, where they're extremely technical. They want to talk about the tech. They love the tech and they geek out about the tech. And then when you have to explain to them that, okay, well, the person that is ultimately going to sign the contract, no offense, probably doesn't care. They don't probably care. don't care about the feature set. What they care about is the person that they trust telling them, yeah. yes, this product will do it. And that's where we're at when we're doing the demo. So making sure you're, you're constantly keeping that in mind becomes a, a critical step. Yeah, because when you do the on-site, you the, the pattern was always consistent. The manager would come in in the last five minutes and he, would, he or she would look at the people who were the smartest and see how they were reacting to it. 
and they'd either get the nod, the smile, the thumbs up, or they would get the, eh. yeah, Let's keep looking. <laughs> yeah, let's keep looking. And plus, you know, much like in Mad Men, that the, the, the people, your competitors coming in in two hours. Right. You know. So, so exactly. You find- They're right behind you. They're right behind you. Hey, cool, Chad. This has been a lot of fun. Anything else about the demo before we drop? Oh, no, I'm good, man. This has been great. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Hope you enjoyed Brian Burns and I going back and forth about demos, what makes them effective, what not to do. Hopefully you found some value in this. Uh, I've really enjoyed my time uh, and in the episodes we're doing with Brian Burns. It's great to talk to another professional and, and provide you guys insights and hopefully a little bit of humor along the way. I want to thank you all for listening. And if, if you could do me a favor and go to iTunes, drop us a review, that would be great. We really look at those to see what kinds of content you're interested in, as well as please uh, do not hesitate to share this out with friends, coworkers, family, uh, anyone you think will get some value out of it. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.